Dystopia Tonight. Like so many great musicians and comedians and actors joining us, we have another great yes. musician tonight. Which, by the way, I'm excited to finally get because he, as he's just said, he's self-admittedly very hard to find on the internet, which not a lot of people are. And I admire that. I kind of want to learn from him because I would like to also disappear one day uh, from the internet, not from life, but just from the internet. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I was excited when my manager said he had actually gotten in touch with him and uh, he was going to do the show because I'm a, I've been a fan of his for a long time. He's had a great, uh, amazing career. He worked um with stevie nicks and lindsey buckingham uh early in their career before fleetwood mac worked with fleetwood mac as well uh was a frequent collaborator of warren zevon's and covered one of my favorite songs keep me in your heart on uh warren zevon's tribute album uh enjoy every sandwich so i'm just pumped as shit <laughs> to have him on let's bring on jorge calderon hello guys hello sir hey, how are you how you doing good how are you I like the dystopia tonight. I Thank like you. Tonight. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Like, what's your genuine feeling of dystopia tonight, everybody? How you doing? It's kind yeah. of... How are, do, you, do you feel the same thing? I mean, uh, you know, I feel like depending on who you speak to, everybody's got a genuine feeling of either something is going on, but they don't know what. <laughs> you know, or they feel differently either post pandemic or before. Do you, do you get that kind of feeling of dystopia every now and then? Oh yeah. No, it's, 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 I think it's pretty much over with, you know, everything mm. is kind of like we're rolling down the other side of the mountain down to, I don't know what, right. I think it's, you know, I, my, I, my sense of hopelessness is just abundant. Yes. Hey. I, my hope is gone. And I, I just don't want to be pessimistic, but I think we're just have, must we should have the most fun we can have and be as creative if we as we can because what's out there is not going to be fun. Absolutely, yeah. that is by the way the essence of this show. I like to acknowledge what you just said that we have a genuine feeling of it almost all the time. Yeah, but we got to have fun and see what's creative and what's gone because that that is it. I feel most comfortable when I know. Like you said, we're rolling downhill. If I know I'm rolling downhill, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna grab onto some cool shit on the way down. Yeah. Talk to as many people as I can, you know. Yeah, and, and love your 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 friends and family, and and you know, just like and do your art and do your thing, and and just because you're not in control anymore, we're right. not pretty much in control. It's just like this yeah. machine has taken over. Yeah, absolutely. And I it's hate to be a bummer, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's not a it's it's almost having somebody else admit it is almost a form of comfort at this point of like oh thank God I'm not crazy you know um, is there is there anything in particular that you feel I mean aside from your art obviously and if that's it then that's great too but is there something that you feel that gives you particular comfort that you seek uh, you know for me the music is my my saving force and my in my church and my whatever i you know i'm not a religious guy but music is what drives me right you know? and i get up in the morning and i have a thought and i you know, i play it I, I write it i you know and it's been like that forever so nice that's what keeps me going and i'll do it until i croak you know it's just like that's the yeah. way it is yeah absolutely does that when you said you had music when it comes to you in a thought form? Does it come to you lyrically first, or do you hear music first? You know, lyric uh, lyrically, uh, I hear music too, and I, I hear it in my dreams sometimes. Wow! Uh, all the work that I did with my good friend Warren Zevon, he, uh, you know, we always would write the words first to mm. the songs that we co-wrote, and it was like that. You know, we would, would he, he would get a title, or I would get a title, and we would, you know, we'd be in conversation, and and I would say something, and we go, "What? Well, what did you say?" And I said, "Blah blah blah," and and he go, "Yeah, that's a title," you know. So we would start writing the all the the the, the lyrics. Yeah. And then when the lyrics were done, then we would think of a, of the music. That's great. And I, usually, I, with my music, I do that. But sometimes I have some melody that then I have to paint by not, you know, do the paint by number thing, which is can be maybe a little harder sometimes because then you have to fit it to a certain format. Right. Mm -hmm. The other way you kind of create whatever when you when you read the lyrics, they'll they'll give you a beat, they'll give you a thing, and then you create some music. 
That's beautiful. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that you like to keep me in your heart because that was a song that almost did not get written. Oh, wow. Why? And, uh, and we wrote it. I mean, uh, Warren, you know, I was producing uh, with him and Noah Snyder, mm-hmm. our other co-producer, uh, The Win, his last album. Yeah. Yeah, right. So he he had wanted to do a, a record with me saying, you know, I'm done. Uh, the, the, the album that I did before was called uh, My Right Is Here, My Right's Here. And he had co-written with a whole bunch of people and he had a push and pull and some people didn't, it wasn't easy to co-write with, but he always, with us, it was very easy. We were friends forever. Mm. We had done it before. So we would sit in the couch of pain and he, he would call it the couch of pain. <laughs> you, you it, the lyrics out, you know, <laughs> but, so, so we would sit there and everything would, would, would happen. You know, if you would mm. say something or, and I would say something and it worked fine. If, if it didn't work, then we would just scrap it. Or if, if I, if I had a line that, it was great. He would go, oh man, great. If I didn't have a, a line that was that was that I thought was great, but he didn't like it, he would go, no, I think that we should go. Back. I would discard it. Wow. The trouble that he had with other people is that they would get into, what do you mean? It's not great. You know what? What, what is it? <laughs> you know, they would get into a thing. I would discard it because my philosophy with songwriting was and is that when you think you have a great line and you let it go you will get something even better, you know? Wow. So to all those songwriters out there, you, you think, oh man, I got rid of this great line. No, the one that you are going to find is going to be even better. So that was, so anyway, back to Keep Me In Her Heart. When we started the, the, the album, I said, what do you have? Because now we knew that he was you know, diagnose and everything. So it had, it kind of changed from doing an album that mm-hmm. we would write songs to, to doing an album that we would write songs about what was, what was happening. Right. So he said, well, I have, uh, I have these couple of lines that go, shadows are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. Mm-hmm which killed me when he yeah. told me on the phone. So I said, oh, well, you have to write that song. You know, it's like, that's your song. Mm-hmm. But as, as, as the album took its own motion and started rolling and we started writing other songs, I, would, I kept telling him, do you, did you finish that song or do you have more stuff? Oh, no, I, I'm, not, I'm working on it. We kept going on the record. So finally, one, one day, as, as you know, the months went, he called me one night, Jorge, I, uh, I can't do it. I can't, it's too painful. It's too, this song, I know it's, it's good, but I, I cannot, I, I thought I could, but it's too painful. I cannot write this. Wow. I need you, I need you to, to co-write this with me. I need you to, I said, dude, I, I said, I don't know if I can. You know, this is something that he said to me, put on your songwriter's hat like you've done many times with me and do this. Wow. That's when I had to get involved in the song. And I, you know, he had the first verse. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I had to like, you know, write the rest of the lyrics and the the bridge with the music and the, you know, tell me in your thoughts, keep me in your dreams, you know, all that stuff. And, and I came back to him, and it was still too painful because when I came back to him with stuff about the song, he was, I don't know, man. It's, it was like he couldn't deal with it, you know? Right. Because it was talking about what was really happening. It was so f- painful to him. Yeah, they're so, powerful lyrics. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I know. And, and so, but at some point, he kind of like called me, yeah, yeah, Mario, let's do it. Wow. I, I like everything. We, I, I think he, he only, we only worked on the, you know, that he wanted to do it a certain way. That's great. And, and I think one line that we, we worked, but there was a song. And then, and then he was kind of like getting sicker, but he actually, find, I put him, put the track together with Jimmy Keltner, mm-hmm. drummer Jim Keltner. And, and, uh, and then he sang it. And then we had a song. Wow. 
you know. But that's the story about that song, which almost didn't get written. That's and incredible. Now when people come to me, because he's not around, but <laughs> when people come to me and say, oh, man, that song touches me so much and it's great. And it is a special song. I say, I, I understand. I mm -hmm. understand. It was, it was a song that it was like for real that we just put ourselves in there. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, I'm very proud and he was very proud of it. And so I did it and I, and I, I did it on that tribute record and I was so close to the song that I did it with my friend, Jennifer Warrens, who, who's a beautiful singer. And, uh, and uh, so I needed some, some support. Mm -hmm. for but when I do it now on stage, I do it by myself and slower kind of thing. But but at that point, it was too. He had just passed away. We were doing this tribute album. It was very hard for me to do, right. because I I was I had gone through the wind and all these things, and I was like, you know, stiff upper lip kind of thing. You know, like the English. You know, going through it with my <laughs> friend. But then yeah. then he he passed away, and I was, and then oh, we we want to do a tribute. And we need oh, yeah. you. And like, I was like, I never could like let it go, you know, wow. but I did it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> and it's a, it's a beautiful like cover. Like, like, I mean, you, you do it di way, a, a lot different than the way he did it in the song. Did you, how did you decide how the tempo you wanted to do it? The, the, the different, you know, I, I listen, I didn't, I, I, I was talking my way out of it. Wow. I was talking to the record company going like, I don't can't do this. Can we get Don Henley to do this? Can we, can we get somebody else to do it? Can we get this one, that one? And Don didn't want to do that. He wanted to do uh, uh, the other one that he did. Uh, Darkest in the morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm blanking. Um, but I know I, I have the, I'll, I'll go get the album. Searching for a heart. It's <laughs> still searching for a heart. Yeah. Which is a great song. Yes, absolutely. That's, that song of Warren's is like typical Warren's Yvonne. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Don did a great job, but I couldn't get anybody else to do it. So they, you know, you have to do it. And then his son, Jordan and Ariel, and, you know, his sister, everybody was like, you got to do it. And I'm going, Oh man. So I didn't know. I, I was just trying to, to do it. But I didn't want to do it like him. And I don't know. My voice is different from his. So, right. And then I, I got Jennifer to come and I got Van Dyke Parks, my old friend, to to do some like orchestration on it. Mm -hmm. That became a beautiful thing. Yeah. Actually, we included it on the song. And then we also included just the the string track as a as a as a Easter egg at the end, like it's a bonus track in a way. Mm -hmm. It's just that. And it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I mean, I remember the first time I heard it and then it was one of those things that you, you ever have a friend that you share music with? I mean, of course you probably have lots of friends you share music with, but, but you know, like my friends and I would like, you know, we sh that's how we communicate sometimes or just say like, I love you or whatever, thinking about you. Oh, yeah, of course. That was one of those songs that like I sent it out to a friend of mine and if we were driving back at night somewhere or just traveling or whatever it is, and it would come on just, just be like, Oh man, I'm listening to uh Jorge's version of uh, uh, keep me in your heart. And we, we just get to us. It would, it was just well, amazing. That's wonderful, man. You know, because you know, songs and lyrics are, are, are a conversation, you mm -hmm. know, like when you, you write lyrics, don't write them that are just like, so like out, out there that they're like, a like, a um, abstract too abstract yeah too abstract it's like trying to read you know you know hieroglyphics or you know like something <laughs> weird. you know what i mean like yeah, it has yeah. conversation when, when people hear it you're having a conversation with the listener mm -hmm. so when you say i share music with people you you actually having that conversation throwing it with music and lyrics and somebody really nice singing it and it's even even like a, a be better kind of co communication yes so absolutely they love it yep yeah <laughs> it's sharing music is a love language man i mean i it's feel like if, if if you're if you're uh close enough to somebody where you can throw a song back and forth it's just it speaks you yeah. know more than anything else totally. um are you are you excited because i i it, coincidentally when we when we wound up booking you i think around the same week um it was announced that uh warren zivon was nominated for um rock and roll hall of fame yes he's number three now in the 
And it's, we were all excited, the family, the close friends, everyone, you know, he, it's well deserved, mm-hmm. like way overdue. Yeah. But you know, and the, and we thought it would never happen. Actually, we thought he had pissed somebody off at the, <laughs> at the place. You know, he right. said, uh-huh. you know, because he could be like that sometimes and, mm-hmm. and say something off of the cuff to some one of these suits, and sure. all of a sudden he's banned from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame forever. And that's what I thought that he had right. said something that pissed somebody off. But he's there. He's number three. Oh. And I don't know how the counting goes. It's crazy. If you ask me, I don't understand it. But me neither. Gets in. Yeah. 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 Me me too. And I think he's got a lot of support from a lot of people backing him. Like they really want it to happen. Like big names. Yeah. Yeah. Like Billy Joel. I mean, the last guy that I would think, but Billy Joel is saying, hey, man, what's not rock and roll about this guy? Yeah, exactly. Are you, (laughs) when when somebody, like, are you ever, like, uh, because I don't know how, how close knit the music, community is because i like in, in stand-up like other stand-ups you know we compliment each other we know about we hear who was at our gig the last time and yeah. you know we're nosy so we're like how well did they do what did they sell ticket why you know but like when you hear of another artist that admires you are you like oh my really that guy like are you ever surprised like is it is it humbling is it nice yeah no, it's it's always great, you know, to hear somebody tell you, hey, man, I really dig your stuff. I mean, I, yeah. hey, okay, speaking about, I'll tell you a little story that really floored me. Uh, because he's your guy. He's from Jersey. Awesome. His name is Bruce Springsteen. Okay, uh, so, yeah. he, so right, so I'm, I, I had, in 1989, I was, I was opening up for Jackson Brown with David Lindley and Arayo X. I was, I was a bass player with David Lindley and Arayo X for, for all the 80s. Wow. So we, we, in 89, we're opening up for Jackson and his band. Mm-hmm. So we're in, in uh, Atlantic City, and we played a show. And I would play with David, and we would do the Rayo X thing, and a world music, reggae, stuff like that. It was really a fun band. And then I would go on stage with Jackson and, and do a song that I wrote with him called Lawless Avenues. So we'd do Lawless Avenues because he wanted me to sing, and, you know, there was a Spanish section on it. And anyway. So, so then the show ends and we were backstage in this little tiny place and there was crowd before the pandemic, right? <laughs> people, everybody's like, hey, on top of each other. Like, <laughs> so I'm sitting, I'm sitting down talking to somebody and I feel somebody grabbing my leg on the floor. This mm-hmm. guy's sitting on the floor grabbing my leg. Hey, Jorge. And I look down, and it's Bruce, man. And he's going, hey, Jorge, man, I just want to tell you, that Lawless Avenues, man, I love that song. I, you know, that, I mean, you and Jackson, I mean, what you're saying, and he started talking about everything that we were saying, because it's a song about L.A. and growing up, like like the Chicanos in L.A. with the, with you know, with the the, the things they have to tackle and all that stuff. And, uh, Man, I was like, what is this? Oh my, my God. But he was like such a nice guy and such down to earth that I, I just like totally like floored me. I, wow. I, that was my first time that I had met this guy. Yeah, yeah. From then on, it was like, oh man, I know this guy. This guy is like, it's like, 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 like the, you know, like the ground. It's like, he's like, like, you know, like walking the ground barefoot. He's like, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he came to, to play on the wind. He sang a song of disorder in the house. Nice. And I was very happy. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. That's what I have heard about him, that he's very down to earth, very like grounded human being. And he just loves music and he, and he's, yeah. you know, just very generous. You know, what's got to suck though is anybody else that tugged on your leg after that had to be a huge disappointment. You were like, you're not Springsteen. What do you <laughs> grab my leg for? You got it. Yeah. That's that's exactly. Nobody has will ever <laughs> grab my leg like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing, dude. And he was. I mean, but he's he's very like uh, uh, like that. I mean, uh, when he came and did the disorder in the house on the wind, we had a great day with him. And, right. And him and Warren were, were good friends. And but. Before he left, he hugged me like five times. Hey, Ori, man, I'll see you, man. I'll see you. And then he would 
get talking to somebody, hey, Jorge again, you know, you know, so we hugged, everybody hugged like, like five or six times before he actually left. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was a good guy, man. That's great, dude. Like that, is, that is a great story, man. Um, is it when you were working with Warren and stuff like that? Cause you had, you had been in the music business for a long time. How did you wind up like hooking up with him? Was it just through, you know, a known connection or you knew him beforehand or, you know, uh, a circle of friends. I had, a. I came from New York, moved to LA and like, in in part of 69. And, uh, and I had met, some guys that came from New York, also from the East Coast, and Waddy Wachtel, a guitar player. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and his brother, Jimmy. Waddy, then, yeah, absolutely. Well, I met him at this gig. I went to do a gig on in Venice, here in L.A., mm-hmm. in Venice, uh, by the canals at, at a rock and roll club. And I had my little band, and, and then they had a band, and we met because we're trading sets. Right. And, 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 and while he was playing with his band, I said, wow, this guy's fantastic. And, you know, we, we started, we became, fr- became friends. Okay. So one of them was going out with this guy, uh, with this uh, girl, uh, Crystal. So I knew, so I, now I knew Crystal, I knew Jimmy, I knew Wadi, and, you know. So later on, as we became friends and, and time went on, um, Crystal called me one night late like two in the morning three in the morning or something i was living in hollywood and uh <clears throat> she says jorge can you do me a big favor man i my car doesn't work i can have to get my my boyfriend out of the drunk tank like like uh, you know out of jail and right uh, hollywood, whatever it was downtown yeah. i said i didn't know who this guy was i i didn't ask i said sure sure let me let me get in the car so i went to get her and we went and got warren out of out of the drunk tank now i didn't wow. know who he was at all mm-hmm. so he sits in the back seat and uh and she says to me now we got to get get to the house and and then he was very quiet you know in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so we get to the to the apartment or whatever it was and uh, and 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 she t- and so then she doesn't have the keys and oh my god I mean they were they, we were scattered okay mm-hmm. yeah they didn't have the keys and you know he was looking and so she says to me oh my god I don't have the keys what am I gonna do and and I tell and I said listen Chris don't worry I'm Puerto Rican I can get into anybody's house you know? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I mean it was it was a joke of course right okay. Right. But but it was like you know as soon as I said that Warren in the back kind of like for the first time kind of like smiled <laughs> like I like this guy you know like he got he got the the, the, you know, the, the, the joke the, yeah yeah so I I just said hold on so I went back now I have to prove to these guys so I went back around <laughs> the house and of course I found a a a, a, win, a window that was that you could go. Pfft, you know, yeah, so I went yeah. in and I opened yeah. the box. So that whole act, Warren thought I was this great guy, this crazy guy that had saved the, the, the day. And so for some reason, we connected from that day on and became really good friends. And then I found out about him and what he did. Right. And we started playing together, kind of like in the, at the house. You know, I would wow. bring my guitar and I played with him. And, and at first I thought, that we never would connect musically because I thought, well, he's, uh, I was into rhythm and blues and blues and rock and Motown and, 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 and stuff like that. And he was into this, you know, classical sounding at the time, I thought. Mm-hmm. But the more I learned about him, he was like, yes, he had this classical edge, but he was, he loved, Bo Diddley, and he was into Willie Dixon. He was into blues. He was into all kinds of music, and and he loved Elvis Presley's uh, Sun Session kind of stuff. I mean, wow. he, so we started bonding that way, and uh, so pretty soon when he got a a, a a chance to do the first, well, it wasn't his first album, but it was the album that was gave him notoriety. Mm. Warren's even album on Electra or Asylum uh, that Jackson Brown produced. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said, "Man, I you know I'm doing this album and Jackson Brown is producing it. 
I want you to come down. I want you to sing on this song of mine called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah. Right? And and so I went, sure. So I went there and I met Jackson Brown that day. Wow. And we sang on I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. And I, and I, you know, from then on, now I know Jackson for years and he's a good, really good friend of mine. And, uh, but that's how it started, you know? And then the next album that, that he did was uh, Excitable Boy. Mm-hmm. And now I, I now I was there singing backgrounds all the time on that you know with the group with we were, the, he called us the gentleman boys and it was Jackson Brown and me and JD Souther and Waddy and whoever could sing would right. sing the backgrounds. Oh, that's awesome! What a great yeah. group! Yeah, yeah, and incredible. Then, the album was coming out really nice, really great. He had great songs, and it's a wonderful album. Uh, so he, uh, at one point, he said to me, oh, actually, Jackson came to me and said, you know, Warren has this song called Vera Cruz, and he needs some help with it. You know, you think you can help him? So I talked to him, and he said, man, I, you know, I have this up to here. I would like a Spanish part here, because it's all about the invasion of, of Vera Cruz, you know, by... Yeah. Woodrow Wilson sent some troops out back there. Right. Yeah. It's always that way over here, you know. Go, yeah, yeah. go get them over there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, especially if they don't look like us. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. <laughs> yep. but, but it was, uh, so we did that. And so I wrote that song. And, and then we, then actually we wrote another one called Nighttime in the Switching Yard, which is really cool. Yeah. And we did that. So I became more involved. And, and, and the cool thing about, Warren with me is that once we started co-writing songs, he, uh, and at first he wanted me to do that Spanish thing mm-hmm. that, that, that never happened again. It was always like, he never wanted me for a Spanish thing. He always wanted to write because wow. he always thought that, that he dug that I was, he used to call me a Puerto Rican intellectual because I, I, I was, uh, because I would, we would talk and talk and, and, and these songs would come up. Mm-hmm. He liked the, the twisted way that I thought because I was translating half of the time from another language. And, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, uh, we, we had a great time. Only at the end and the wind, we, we actually did another Spanish phrase on, on a song. Mm. But uh, yeah, Warren um, was, uh, that album was great. And, and that album had the Werewolves of London song. Yes. Which he had for yeah. a while. And uh, it was that's another story. Oh, please tell it. If you, if you want to tell well, it, tell it. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing was that he had the song, him and Leroy Marinell and, and Wadi Wachtel had written that song in Venice at Leroy's house. Okay. And it was always cool, but it was so simple mm-hmm. that w- once they started recording and meeting Jackson and Wadi were, were producing the record. Okay. Yeah, Excitable Boy. Right. So they started and they would try one rhythm section and it didn't work. And it didn't work. I mean, they would get the great guys, you know, the, the good guys, the great drummers and the great bass players, and and they just would play too much or not get the it had to you had to like dumb down or something. Right, right. right. So so he tried. So one time I was hanging out with Mick Fleetwood because we, that's another story, but, but I became good friends after hanging out with Lindsay and Stevie for years. And then they joined Fleetwood Mac. And then I became friends with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Especially Mick, because Mick was a party guy and he was just always wanting to do stuff. And so <laughs> he, he had told me, Hey, George, you call me George, which is like, okay, Jorge, yeah, George, okay. <laughs> but you know, and I, I have some English blood, so I could understand. Right. Uh, <laughs> he, he told me, man, we're playing at, at this stadium in, in, in Miami, 90,000 people. I want you to come and hang. And so I said, sure. So I went, I flew down to Miami. And it was a huge gig. And, you know, I was sitting in the riser on the riser and he was playing drums and, and, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, like, like, and, you know, just like having fun and stuff. So when I came back to LA, the first thing I did, because it was at the time we were doing Excitable Boy, mm-hmm. I went straight to the sound factory in Hollywood where they were recording. Right. 
and I, there was nobody there. And I said, nobody's here. You're there recording every day. He said, yeah, Wadi's in the back. So I went to the back where the offices were, and Wadi was like, <laughs> I said, Wadi, well, hey, man, what, what's going on? Right. He, he, he was going, oh, man, it's fuck, man. It's like this... Uh, this world's of London. I can't make it happen, man. We we just this is like the seventh or eighth time we try it with different rhythm sections, and and it does just doesn't work, man. Right. And I go at the top of my head because I just came from hanging with these guys. I said, "How about Mick Fleetwood and John McVie?" And he went, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> so so I said, "Let me call Mick." So I called Mick. And, uh, and and left him a message because at the time there were no cell phones. So, yeah, so yeah. I left him a message at the thing. I said, listen, I'm here with Wadi Wachtel. You're doing it with Warren Sewell, blah, 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 blah. Can you please call him or, or have, you, you know, I'll, I'll give him your number. Wadi will be calling you about this. You know, mm -hmm. And that's that's how I left it. Wow. So guess what? Mick Fleaver and John McVie came to the session and they did it. They killed the song. They killed the song. It's a classic. Nobody can play it like that. Right. Yep. right? They just had this thing. Yeah. They could because they started as a as a as a blues band. You know, the original Fleetwood Mac is awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, Absolutely. They, they played with Peter Green. They they just had this thing, mm -hmm. right? So they could come down to a place that would make it believable and soulful and at the same time be quirky and and, and 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 simple you know yeah and that's what happened with with the so i was glad that it worked that my i was headless i was i was just i'm not beating my chest i'm just saying i was the guy with the jumper cables on the road when when wadi and jackson came around with the car and it was it was messed up and i yeah and I, Put the cables on and they started and went on their way you know and that's what happened yeah that's a great analogy yeah that's awesome so, so that's I'm, I'm i'm proud of having done that and, and so is wadi like he he really has a, a good good memories of all that stuff oh that's fantastic that's, man yeah. yeah we were close to getting wadi on. yeah no, i have to ask because you know i mean you mentioned jd souther obviously jackson brown uh fleetwood mac wadi do you have i mean you're obviously somebody who likes to collaborate, I would assume, but, but yes. do you have any kind of, I mean, that takes a lot because there's, you know, that's a lot of different personalities to manage. You've got Warren as well. Yeah. Is there something w that you would say is the, is the best kind of advice or kind of hook to collaborating with a bunch of artists on that level? Like that's, it's a lot of talent in one room to get all the time, but you guys seem to work well. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's even with me, which I am, like that i have that that gene in me that can can listen to people and mm -hmm. not like be on my uh proud horse you know right uh but uh and also luck has a lot to do with it you know i mean some people you can you can actually look out and and everything works and some people you don't never reach them you know or and they can't reach you so that's Absolutely. but um i, I just uh, uh, I just let let it let things be, you know. Um, and luck has a lot to do. For example, I'll, I'll tell you how I met Lindsay and Stevie. I mean, I, I please. I was starting out here. Um, we started doing demos over at Sound City Recording Studios with Keith Olson, a wonderful, great engineer. He he built the board. He put the board there at Sound City, which became a great place to record wow. but at the time it was brand new so i met <clears throat> i met a friend of mine met keith olsen walking the dog somewhere and he told me man this guy has a studio you know that kind of i mean that kind of weird stuff so i actually called the guy i went to see oh come see my board and i went to sound city he said i would love to hear your songs he tells me Mm -hmm. I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have some songs that I've been writing. I would like you to hear. So he calls me one day and says, why don't you come over to my house over here in the Colorado Water Canyon, and you can play some songs for me. 
So I, I came there with a, with a Stratocaster guitar. I didn't even have an amp. I just, you know, I said, well, I'll just strum it real hard, you know. <laughs> I'll just... <laughs> I mean, in those days, you would do anything, right? So I go there, I knock on the door, uh, and, and, and uh, Keats tells me, hey, Jorge, I, 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 don't, I, I hope you don't mind that I have some friends here. And uh, uh, this is... Uh, Lucy Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. They were my friends that were doing demos over at Sound City. And I went, oh, hi. I didn't know him from Adam. I said, right. how are you doing? So they were sitting on the couch. I sat on the other end of the couch, and I sang my songs that I wasn't going to do. You know? Wow. This one, yeah. Kids Run, whatever other songs that I had. And, and Keith liked them. They liked them. We, I became friends with them because they, they went like, oh, yeah, man, I like your stuff, blah, 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 blah. So we came fr became friends and started. That's how that started. That's well, ended up, you know, playing. I think I played something on Buckingham Nick's album and congas or, some, or something. And I wasn't a conga player, but <laughs> Lindsay knew that I could get some beat going on, and I did it. Nice. Also, Lindsay had asked me. I was playing with this drummer from Texas, from Dallas. It mm -hmm. was really funky. And he called me one day. Hey man, do you do you think I can? You can give me uh, Hoppy's number because I I need a drummer for for this album we're doing. I said sure, and it worked out. He played on the whole album. Wow! So things like that would happen out of like being yeah. there and being together and eager to do your thing and yeah, you were hungry and being present enough yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm gonna go and hang out and I'm gonna you know yeah. take the opportunities. Yeah. Everybody. You're a multi-instrumentalist, though. Is that something that's innate? Like you can just pick up an instrument, or was it? Did you? Well, keep... no. Okay. no, I don't want to. I don't. No, I don't want to say that. I'm not like Paul McCartney, but hmm. but I can uh, I can play guitar and bass really well. Nice. I can play percussions like maracas and things that are like you know shaky and, and you know the congas. It's another. I mean, I can, I can play very simple th things. Mm -hmm. And overdubs and stuff, but I, I want to keep my hands healthy for my guitar. Right. I, you know, I have a good friend, Luis Conte, who's a great percussionist. He's telling me, oh, don't worry, I'll teach you how to play congas with, with that you won't hurt your hands. But I'm still afraid. Yeah, I, I don't blame <laughs> you, man. If that's, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I know a know, couple drummers who like are, you know, they're, they're already kind of aching from how hard they, you know. Yeah. And so and I, I play guitar so when i do tracks on my own I, I i lay down on a percussion track over a click track or something and and then i play the guitar the song and i'll play the bass and i'll sing and i'll do more things but but i get the other cats to play organ and piano or something because i i can play a few chords but i've never was a keyboard guy okay and it was my choice mm. it was like i didn't you know i didn't like i admire piano players tremendously and i love a lot of them and, and love listening to stuff, organ and piano. But I was never the guy to sit down. And, you know, the, the guitar, for some reason, it was there. You hold it and you play, you know, it's like you can carry it places. You know, you piano, you have to like, oh, where's the piano? Yeah. Is it in tune? You know, it's like, oh, it's an electric piano. Oh, yeah, but it's heavy as hell. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I'm, I, I don't have that gene. Yeah. And listen, even holding a guitar makes you look like a badass. Like, even if you're not, like, I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> Try holding a piano, John. You're yeah, going to look pretty know, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. If you could lift one over your head, I guess. It's not, it's not too attractive holding a piano. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's you like, know, you know, it, it's like we all know how bad smoking is for you, but it looks fucking cool, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it used to. for me, it used to. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Until it didn't. My throat went, you know what? And my mm -hmm. chest went, you know what? No, it doesn't yep. look good on you. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I get it. Yeah. Uh, what was the thing that bit you about music when you were younger, though? Was this something that was always like on your agenda to that you knew you wanted to be involved with, or or what did you when you were a kid did you want to be something else? It always sounded great to me. I mean, it was something that that I had that you know that I just it was a magnet to me. Mm. Um, growing up in Puerto Rico, I listened to a lot of the local music and the Cuban music and the the Puerto Rican music and music from Brazil and, and music from the Trinidad and Jamaica. You know, I mean, being there was like a this thing surrounded yeah. by all, all this music. Right. Then my father at home 
was a classical music Nazi. He would he would he would play classical music all the time, and then on Sundays opera. He was wow. like crazy. But what that did to me was that I under I started understanding how music is formed in a way. I would hear these things, and at first, oh, that that's stupid old old people stuff. But I, I would understand that it was done in a way that it, there were places that it would go up and it would come down and it would like be romantic here and they would go there, which, right. which actually helped me later on with other kind of music. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you understand how, where, where things go. And um, so, but you know, he, I would listen to uh, this band from Puerto Rico it was hotter than, than anything. And, and then at the same time, I was listening to Little Richard or, or Elvis Presley or, or stuff like that in my room. Mm -hmm. And I thought, knock it off, man. It's not <laughs> a dog fight in there. Talk <laughs> fight is Little Richard, man. <laughs> the combination of those things just drove me crazy and wild, and I wanted to come to the United States. Um, but it's and also later on when I heard James Brown, when I heard James Brown, I went, oh, my God, I have to go to where this mofo comes from, mm -hmm. because this is like the stuff. This is like I heard the African element in the music that uh, of, of where I come from and Cuba and stuff. But this guy had this other thing going on yeah. with, with that African thing. So I just wanted to, you know, and, and then I, I ended up up here. It was always a passion for music. Mm. I mean, I, I started playing guitar from an early age. And um, and then uh, when I started playing with bands, the reason that I that I learned how to play bass too is because I was in a band and then we couldn't get a, a bass player. We couldn't get a guitar player. So then I would play the bass and we'd get the guitar player. And then he left and then oh, the, yeah. the bass player uh -huh. stayed and then he did a guitar. Then I would switch the guitar. And you know, so I, <laughs> I, I was the guy that knew, knew both both seats, you know, right. be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm I, sure word gets around pretty quickly that, hey, this guy can play, you know, anything. He's, he's, he's good. He switches. He's, he wants to work. It's good. That's good. Could you do it by ear? Like, would you just pick up an instrument and start playing around with it? That's the thing that if I had, if I, if I, if I knew how to read, I would have become a studio cat here, made a lot of money, like some friends of mine have. Mm. But I just didn't have it in me. Um, first, because I had too much of my own thing going inside, and when I would go to a session. Uh, and, and they were playing some really bad song to my, in my opinion, like, Oh man, I played this stupid song. And you can't have that judgment when you're a studio musician, right. you have to be like, like the wrecking crew was, it's like, no, you, you know, even if the song sucks, you want to make <laughs> that person smile. Yeah. You want yeah. to give them the best. I, I wasn't that guy. I wanted to do my own thing and I didn't want to, but also, uh, I had uh, I would hear things faster than I could learn how to read anything, so it was like and I and I kind of like identified with John Lennon and Paul McCartney and those guys because they they would do the same thing they would write these great things but they were all like ear learned right you know, so this I mean if you hear a, a McCartney interview he would say that he, yeah. he was like hey man I I still don't know how to read anything right. But so, but that's the way that ha it happened to me. But in a way, if I had uh, learned how to do all that reading, maybe I would uh, now have a house uh, in, your, in Malibu, you know. In, but it's so yeah. funny that you say it like that, though, because we've had guys on who are who do read the music and who can read the music and are like, man, if I could play by ear, <laughs> I would be crushing it that's right true. now. Isn't it? That, yeah. That's amazing. That's it amazing. Is. I had a bad, uh, uh, my father wanted to, you know, study the violin. Oh, okay. And, oh, man, I was tiny. I was like a kid, you know, and, and so he, so he'd send me to, to this teacher and, 
here, read that. You know, he was like, really, oh, he was like too much, man. And mm -hmm. so I went home crying, man. I was saying, I can't do this. I can't just like, he wants me to read this thing while I'm doing this. I, I can't. And so I quit. And from yeah. that, that just killed it for me. I could, I just, I said, I'm going to listen. I'm, wow. I'm going to let myself hear. I don't want to read anything. I can read chord charts, of course, you know, but that's different. Yeah. Did that ruin the violin for you after having to struggle that no, way? Yeah. No, I, I would never played the violin because it's <laughs> like, you <know>? yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I appreciate people that do. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, if there's a yeah. fiddle yeah. in a song, I'm, I'm in. I don't know why. You know, if I hear well, it, I'm like, what? this is great. Oh yeah, yeah. You follow it like you know, like like follow the violin play. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Over the cliff. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Uh, the one, <laughs> the, the the one violin fiddle player that we had on the show, I would follow her off a cliff. Let me tell Ooh, you. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah, that's uh, I'm gonna cut that from the episode. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you have to. But um yeah, that is that's incredible, man. So did you have you do you know did you ever have a regular job or no? Oh yeah, of course. You know, oh, okay. I mean, I, uh, in New York, when we were in New York with the band, we had uh we were so stupid one day that we had a van <laughs> and we left the, the instruments in the van while we went inside and smoked some weed at somebody's oh, house, you know, man. for like half an hour or something, came back, everything was gone. Oh. So then then we didn't have instruments or we couldn't gig and it was crazy. And I had to like get a messenger job and I was on a bicycle in the snow, just carrying these, you know, taking these like uh, photos, you know, to all these buildings on Madison Avenue. I mean, I remember that. And wow. I did that in LA too. And in LA, it got really bad at the beginning that I ended up driving a truck for a while. Wow, and stuff like that. But you know, it would always always get me back to trying to get that gig, doing that whatever it is. It led into the into the Sound City situation, and and from then on, I just I uh, have done haven't done. I mean, I, uh, lots of times I wish I could have done something else to make more money, but mm. I just kept my passion, you know, following my passion, yeah. and one that's, thing that's led to another. That's kind of epic that the only reason why you had a normal job was because somebody stole your instruments when you were getting high. You know what I mean? That's not like, that's, yeah. it's, it's unfortunate, but also like you would have just been just straight through not having a regular dumb job. That's great. I know. I know. I know. Was, uh, when you were, when you were with, so was we working with um, Lindsay Buckingham and Stephen Nicks your first professional job or no? No, no, no. Uh, we had we had done uh, you know in New York we played a you know the, the discotheque in Forty uh, Eighth Street or something somewhere okay for like a whole three months one time in sixty oh, seven wow. and, oh, wow. and we we'd done that and and here we played clubs and stuff but uh, with uh, Buckingham Knicks I uh, we did the, I I was on that first gig that they did at the Troubadour after the album was completed they did a, a a gig at the Troubadour mm -hmm. and it was just no drums, but it was like Lindsay and Stevie and Wadi uh, and me on bass. Wow. It was more like a, like a uh, unplugged situation. Mm. And uh, so we did all that, the songs from that album. Oh, There's incredible. photos of that somewhere, but, uh, <clears throat> nice. but I didn't go on the road with them. They 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 kind of got a band with that drummer that that I mentioned and uh, right and they went their merry way but I kept doing my thing I I got a contract with Warren Brothers to do my own record mm. uh, and I completed that uh, with Warner Brothers and and uh, and that was it I mean that that's a, it was a good record it was a good thing for me and actually the Fleetwood Mac loved that record and loved some of the songs on the record, and that's how you know we bonded even more. Nice. And, uh, cool. One of the songs we actually fooled around with ended up. It, it ended. It's called "Kiss and Run," and it ended up as an extra track on the box set of Tusk. Tusk, yeah. Just us fooling around with the song. That really that's a great uh, song. Yeah, <laughs> just fooling around with the song. That's awesome, though. When you're when you're writing like when you're writing your album versus when you're collaborating and writing somebody else's music, are you drawing from a different perspective, a different worldview when when it's your stuff versus somebody else's, or is it all from the same? 
Yeah, I mean, as far as writing is kind of all the same, but uh, the purpose. Okay, when I when I would write with Warren, for example, or anybody else, you know, you you are you know that they're the artist, or Jackson Brown was the artist, and he wants a certain song that way. So you kind of like try to help that venture. Mm-hmm. When it's with me, it's ideas that I have, you know, things that are happening or that I feel it's important for me to to say and stuff like that. But but co-writing is one of the best things I, I love doing because, nice. I mean, I like writing anyhow because mm-hmm. I have fun when, you know, you get you get on, a, on, a, on the zone and before you know it, there's a whole, I mean, one of the, one of the songs on, um, on the wind, in the wind album, uh, Warren, we, cause we were writing songs really fast cause we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. Him and the mm-hmm. situation. Right. Right. So after we had just recorded a few songs and then he went to New York to do the Dave, David Letterman show. And while he was gone, I was already working on another one based on a, on a title that we had. <clears throat> and so I started, but I, I got in on the zone and I was all, almost, I had to stop myself. I said, you know, pretty soon I'm going to be the guy writing the song. I don't, I don't want that. So I stopped at a certain point, you know, two, three verses. I stopped. I said, well, well when he comes back and when he came back and he heard it, he went, oh yeah, I like this. I No, no, don't change anything. So he added a, 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 a verse and a, a, another verse, and then we kind of worked on the on the on the chorus middle section, which mm-hmm. was great. We ended up co-writing the song, but it, it's like that. Sometimes I, I I get and I see things, and a lot of writers like I've heard Tom Petty say that the great Tom Petty say that um, that sometimes you know you get on the zone and 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 you and you you know it doesn't matter. You don't even know if it's coming out of you. It's just coming out. You know, it's like right, yeah. It's like an antenna that you you zone and you get you know some some uh, wavelength coming yeah. in. Yeah. And 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 I love that stuff. But co-writing with people is great because you say something, they say something else, and that makes you think of something else. And yeah, it's like. It's, you know, and, and, and comedy, too, if you write with somebody else, it's a give and take. And all of a sudden you're, you're falling off the couch, la- off the couch laughing. Because, Absolutely. You know, because the stuff is like popping. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. at that point, when everything's flowing like that, it doesn't matter who it's coming from. You're like, exactly. we're getting something done. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Which is a, the perfect situation when people are writing for comedy or for writing for TV shows or movies and, you know, that people get together. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels good. Where, yeah. When you were doing the, uh, when, when you were away and he was on Letterman, did you know how impactful that interview was? Like, did you have any idea of like what it was going to leave behind? Cause that's one of the best interviews I think I've ever seen just on the subject of, of uh, death alone, I think. And just somebody going through that at the time, that was wild. I know. I know. I know. I didn't have any idea. But I, I know Warren, and Warren is, is Warren, and he's a, such a special, uh, a unique thinker and a unique kind of like guy that will come up with stuff that surprises you. And it's mm-hmm. like uh, satirical and deep at the same time, and not even satirical. It's just um, funny and ironic. And, and you know, yeah. but, but he, yeah, no, I was as surprised as anybody else when I saw that thing. Yeah, and it's so close to me because it was like I was there every day with him. Right. Not only dealing with the music, but dealing with what was happening with him as a right. friend. Yeah. So yeah. There was some a lot of stuff. I was, a lot of people tell me, you know, that I should write about it. I I, I can't. I can't. Right. You know, maybe someday. Uh, but it's just. It's just. It's, it's. It's been twenty years, but it's 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 kind of like still very close of course yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but the wind is gonna be uh we remastered it you know oh. it's the 20th anniversary this year yes and we remastered it, and it sounds so much better it sounds so great so nice. pretty soon there'll be news about its release and uh, oh that's awesome so to hear look out because it's coming will do absolutely man that's fantastic yeah um is it uh it, when you were kind of putting your albums and your music and your stuff like that together, how 
good at you were leaving behind what you what you had written like that's done i'm on to the next thing like are you good at kind of leaving your work yes behind? yes i uh i am I, i'm you know i'm i'm old school so so what i mean by that it's not i'm not the kind of guy to go in the studio with have the song written or right. or just an idea right it's like no yeah. I, you know i'm the guy that writes the song and I, you know, once a song is written completely and, and I dig it like the way it is, then I go cut it. Mm-hmm. Only a few times has it been that I change anything at the last minute, maybe right. musically, but, but the words usually are the way that they are. Or maybe if I say, oh, well, wait a minute, I could say something better, but it would be a minuscule thing. Right. Um, but guys like... Like uh, my one of my heroes, Bob Dylan. I mean, he, you know, he's there's a story, there's a story that Bob Glob, this bass player, a friend of mine, tells mm-hmm. me that he, he did a session with Bob Dylan, and he had a leather jacket on, and you know all the zippers and stuff, and yeah, like like, so what are we gonna do, Bob? He said, well, uh, he would open a zipper, come up with a little paper, open it up, and like, I got this one here, and you would like sing this this song right and then and then and, and, and then time by another zipper here oh i got this little <laughs> one like, i mean i don't know if he, <laughs> if he did it just for the show brilliant man. right just to to get to to pass the time and do something quirky i oh. I, I love it i mean i i don't you know i i love everything about him you know i i'm the guy that doesn't like i, I all that stuff entertains me and i think same that's a wonderful cat. Man. Yeah. Did you see the interview that's circulating? I don't know if it's a new interview or if it was one that somebody had dug up, but where he was talking about the writing and the lyrics that he had written when he was younger. And he said how he doesn't kind of like the same thing you said, where you don't know where the inspiration's coming yeah. from. Sometimes it's almost fine, but he, he was reciting a lot of his old lyrics and he goes, I have no idea where that came from, but I can't do it today. And it was kind of like, like, holy shit, he's right. Like, he, you know, it, it was probably like a hard thing for him to admit that he can't write like that today. But he was like, whatever, wherever it came from when I was younger, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was like on fire back then. I right. Mean, he was writing stuff that that song is all, it, you know, it's all right, Ma. I'm yeah. That, it's like a seven minute song or something. And and just the stuff. I mean, how can he? remember all those words but he can you know he's the kind of guy that now he's in his 80s and he goes to a show and he'll just sing all these songs there's no prompters there's no nothing he just knows all these lyrics i mean he's like amazing to me wonderful i did one session with him jimmy keldner uh got me to go and play with him and and we did a three-hour session with him four hours or something and we played a whole bunch of songs and it was wonderful too as an experience, yeah, me, because it was at first the mistake I made was it was in the eighties, and the mistake I made was that he was late, like three <laughs> hours late or something. So we were in the in the studio waiting for him, and as the time went by, I went, oh man, I'm going to smoke a joint. So I, you know, I smoked a joint. By the time he came, I was like really high, and then all of a sudden he gets, he goes into his corner <laughs> and starts. Singing and it's like Bob Dylan on the earphones, like I I got like, oh no, I shouldn't have smoked. Uh, Uh, I I got through it and it was wonderful because he sang a whole bunch of stuff. We did this. The one song he wanted to cut was his uh, song by Alan Toussaint, Freedom for the Stallion. And it's he sounded it sounded perfect for him, Freedom for the Stallion, right. Freedom of the mare and the coat. And uh and we did that. So but it hasn't come out on a record. It's uh it's on YouTube somewhere as so. oh, a have to check it out. Leg or something, but yeah. But were, anyway, you, Laurel, were, were you were you a Laurel Canyon guy? Did you hang out hang, hang out around that? You time? know, I lived uh, I lived in Laurel Canyon for a while. Uh I don't know, I'm not a Laurel Canyon guy. I remember meeting Danny Cooch, Danny Korchmar, who uh, is a wonderful guitarist and, as you know, and yeah. songwriter. But I I lived in Laurel Canyon, and uh, we had the door opened. At, at the time, you could you can rent a house for like four fifty, oh. you know, a month, 
Wow. In the seventies, in, in the seventies, and in, uh, in, in a great house in, in Laurel Canyon, in uh, sheep. Okay, so we were, we're there. The door is open, and this beautiful white Alaskan dog comes in. Beautiful dog and friendly, and he was wagging his tail. And oh my God, look at this beautiful dog! And in comes this guy. He says, oh man, and there he is. Hey, Rugby, come here. Hey, man. And so that's how we met. It was Danny. Oh, so we lived God. up the street. So, so there was a lot of musicians that lived in the street. Mm -hmm. so, uh, William Smith, Smitty, uh, Danny was there. Some guys that ended up uh, used to play on uh, with Carol King and stuff like that. But yeah, but I wasn't a, a big a, a canyon guy like uh, other people that you know that did that. Pretty soon I, I moved back into Hollywood. I went to Echo Park. I moved to. Oh. Other other places. I, I still I still can't get over four fifty for a house in Laurel Canyon. You can't even replace a doorknob in Laurel Canyon for four fifty now. Exactly. Like that's yeah, that's insane. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't even believe that. What a luck. That that must have been beautiful. Um yeah. I I dude, I gotta thank you for coming on because an hour already flew by. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. I, I but I have to ask you the three questions that I ask every guest that we have on the show if you're cool. Oh, I'm, I'm scared. No, <laughs> don't be scared. Uh, first question is, if you could go back in time and talk yeah. to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Don't waste time. Oh. Don't waste the time that I wasted a lot of time smoking pot, drinking, and, you know, like just like not like like motivating, getting off the couch, watching, you know, wow. watching stupid TV. But I still <laughs> A lot of stuff i was gonna say for someone like you to say like yeah. that you wait like i'm like what am i doing i'm not even doing like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit i gotta rethink i gotta stop eating breakfast cereals or something i don't know i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> um that's that's unbelievable man um uh second question is uh what had to end in your life good or bad that led you to where you are today wow well uh, kind of the, the same thing. Pro, pro, it had to end procrastinating. I had to, you know, I got, I stopped uh, uh, smoking pot at some point and, uh, and, and I got even more creative than I thought that I, you know, I used to smoke a lot to, thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get that inspiration. I'm going to write that song. And, and the reverse happened. Once I stopped, I had this other energy and this mental energy that I started even writing more lyrics and music and stuff and so that that's that's been a great thing for me that's awesome wow. condemn yeah, to other people i don't i don't i don't right that's I, interesting i'll have uh, some sake or wine or something like that but but I, i'm i'm not going to you know do all the guzzling i used to do wow that's yeah. great that's nice to hear because i feel like there's probably a lot of, i mean i know a lot of comedians who think they're nothing without the weed yeah i think that you if you, you know, once you distance yourself from it, this this other thing happens that you get in tune with uh, with yourself. I, I don't know, but I, it's not for everybody. Sure, you know, like I said, yeah. You know, Marley, what Marley would, would say, ah, fuck that. <laughs> 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 he would say, point. yeah, you're crazy. That's a good point. Um, and the the third question ties into the theme of the show. So if this was a just genuine dystopia, but like more so than it kind of already is. And you woke up the next day and you realize, and you found out that it was everyone's last day on earth. What would be happening? Would it be, do you think it would be government collapse or a comet, aliens, zombies? And how would you like to spend your last day? How would you like to go out? Well, I would like to go out in bed with a girlfriend. Nice. Good shot. Good choice. I think, I think yeah. I, you know, uh, fiddle player. No, I'm just that, I, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, what was that guy uh, uh, that that died that way in the Gramercy Park Hotel? Oh, um, actor, actor. I, um, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Uh, oh my God. Hang on. I'm gonna get his. I'm gonna find. Now I gotta look up his name. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was in a lot of noir movies. Uh, what was his name? Um, I'm going to look um, it up right now. It's, 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 you know, one thing about getting old, it's like your mind is gone, man. Your mind goes. Then I got no shot because I barely I, I got it. I'm like, I'm not even. Uh, um, Carradine. No, not Carradine. No. 
The book of books grammar is required. I don't, I cannot. I looked up Willie Garrison. No, that's not it. Uh, um, damn, I don't know. I will, you know what I'll do? I'll post, I'll edit it and post and make it sound like you said it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just move your mouth and then I'll have somebody dub it in and that'll be it. Okay. I, I just, uh, I, I have a blank, but, but yeah, that, that would be the way. Uh, because and I think it's going to be government collapse or climate change or something like that or a yeah. combination of all those things. I don't think zombies. I mean, zombies are are good within movies. I'm I'm sick of the zombies. I mean, I, I like a few zombies. I mean, the right. best best one was Night of the Living Dead. And after oh, yeah. that, but that 28 days later, the one that where the zombies are go really fast. Right. That was that was good because yeah, they were that was really great. Fast. They weren't going because right. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. here they go. The bees were coming at you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Every time the slow ones pop up in a movie, I'm like, just walk a little faster, guys. What are you doing? That, that yeah, that that uh, that show that's been on forever. It's like they're all like, oh my oh. god, I know. Like yeah. that show has become the walk, like literally the walking. Walking Dead. dead. Yeah. Walking yeah. Dead. Brutal. <laughs> um. Anyway, if, if you're interested in that, you got to watch The Last of Us on HBO. That's a really good show. Oh yeah, I heard about it. That was fin that's that's kind of creepy in a way because uh it's based on a real fungus that actually does that to insects. Um it kind Ooh. of gets inside them and then to procreate. Uh this is the boring part of the show, yeah, but John likes to give people nightmares before he <laughs> lets No, go. I don't know why I'm like we'll cut that out. But anyway, yeah, it's based on a real thing, a real kind of um, interesting. I mean, yeah, it's I'm really great. Grossed out. I'm yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I I want to thank you so much for coming on with us, though. I really do appreciate it, man. It was it was an honor to talk to you. Thank I'm, you for inviting me, man. I am glad to meet you guys. It's it's been really nice. Such a pleasure. Let me throw a couple names at you because I was researching it while we were talking. Okay. Errol Flynn, John Garfield, John Garfield. Uh, Got him. Okay. Nice. Thank John you. John Garfield at the Gramercy Park Hotel. Okay. There we go. He Fantastic. went. He went. The right way. <laughs> boots on, as they used to say. Yep. If we could all go out like John Garfield. Goals. That's my. That's my goal now. There you um, go. Thank you so much, man. I'm gonna look for that album too when it comes out. I'm really excited. All right, man. All the best to you guys. Yep. Such take a care, pleasure, man. You too, man. Have a great. One.